take your Bibles open to John chapter 5. I'm going to be down here close to you because I'm going to need a volunteer here in a little bit. If you tend to like Starbucks, that would be the, uh, the blessing that will flow out of being a <laughs> volunteer, guinea pig, however you want to call it this morning. So it's Valentine's Day, so I thought, or this Tuesday is Valentine's Day, so I thought I'd start off with uh, how I met my wonderful Valentine. I met my wonderful Valentine. Actually, I, I, I think about the first time you guys asked me how I met Clarissa. We were back in the fellowship hall, and we were visiting as you guys were checking us out. And I said I met her at a, a White House correspondence dinner when she had a red dress on. And you looked at me much like you're looking at me right now, knowing that wasn't true. Uh, we actually met at church, and uh, I had chosen to follow Jesus, and as part of following Jesus, I went to an Assembly of God church. I'll date myself a little bit for some of you. I actually went to a phone book and said, I think the Assemblies of God are in a cult. I'll go there. And so I opened the Yellow Pages, and, uh, and when I got there, I had, you know, this, this was all part of my, my really commitment of saying, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. And it was just a sea of white hair. If you've ever been to the Phoenix area in January, and you, you actually find yourself uh, behind one of the million retirees that come down from, from Ohio and Iowa and Nebraska and all the different places, and they come and enjoy the sun with the rest of us there for six months. And I went, okay, well, I may not be around here long, but... Uh, but the Lord had a plan, and, I, and so I just kind of moved into the life of, of that uh, local body, and I went on a missions trip, and it was actually over the President's Day weekend, and when we came back, we did a, basically a mime. What, what we did down in ministry was just kind of a, a way of telling a story without using words, and uh, little did I know that Clarissa was in the audience at the time. And uh, which is uh, another part that's just not uncommon in a lot of churches that have young people as they gather somewhere. So the, the few of us that were part of the church had gathered up front. And Clarissa actually was the one who made the first move. And I knew without a doubt in the first few moments that she was just totally coming on to me. Because she came up to me and she said, I want to use your muscles. And I went, okay, this is a line. Uh, but from that, I made the decision to pursue. And so, you know, it was, it was pre, uh, you know, some of you I'm going to talk about life you just don't get. Uh, it was pre-cell phone era, and she had just moved into an apartment, and I knew where she lived, so I just showed up, got on my motorcycle, sorry Alice, and drove over to her place and uh, knocked on the door, and boy was she surprised when she opened the door because she had been cleaning and doing stuff around the apartment as she was getting settled in. I didn't know how else to ask her out. And, and we ended up sitting down and we talked for quite a while. But I, I just, in, in just the normal rhythm of life, that's how we met. And of course, it's, you know, I wouldn't say the rest is history, but you know, certainly the pages behind us seem to be getting more and more and more. But when you think about, if you're married, think about how you met your spouse. 
depending on when you met your spouse, really can uh, dictate how you met your spouse. Because back in the day, it was there's only a few different ways that you were going to meet people. You were going to meet people at some form of social outing. You're going to meet them, you know, at church or, you know, if, if it was a bar, you'd meet in a bar. Or if it was, you know, it was at school or it was someone, you know, I don't know if they do it today. I, I know of people that, that should do it. But, you know, there's a thing called blind dates, Right. And it wasn't that you went blind. It's just that you didn't know who you were meeting. And in our day where everybody wants to know everything about everybody, they stalk them on Facebook, so on and so forth. You know, that's kind of going out the window. Uh, but then what happened when, as technology came in and technology started to, uh, to really become a normal part of our life, what became a normal part of our life were dating sites, online sites that you could go on and you could meet people. There were things like MySpace. How many remember MySpace? And then, of course, Facebook came along. And then, as technology in the in really 2010 decade, what happened was is all of our online home computer stuff came into our hands. And so now people begin to meet through places like uh, uh, you know, was a Bumble and Tinder and these kinds of places. And, and now people get met because of TikTok. People become famous through their little videos that they do, and they get recognized. And what you find is that in all of this, it doesn't matter the how, people are always meeting people because people are people. And, and we live and we exist in varying kinds of relationships that, that are around us. And so it's just a normal part of the way we do life. So this series, Jesus Meets, is really has a twofold purpose for, for us in this. The first is, is that Jesus really had this, this, this way of ministering to people he met. He just, he just, time and time again, he's meeting people and he's seeing this opportunity where he's able to minister to them. So for some of you, it really is going to be a series where you're going to look at the varying relationships that you meet and you're going to find this is a ministry opportunity. For others, uh, you're going to find that, that, uh, that Jesus is going to come and very much minister to you in a very specific and a very, uh, very uh, normal way for him. Because Jesus is the same today as he was when you were reading him in Scripture. And so the, the way he worked then is the same way that he works today. And this is really what I want you to connect throughout the sermon series. It's this. This, this, this really, uh, we'll keep coming back to this statement. It's simply this. Jesus meets and ministered or ministers at the speed of life. He meets and ministers at the speed of life. Now, I've been, I've been throwing this call out because the moment that the Lord spoke to me right after COVID and I was on my way to, to Houston to meet with a pastor, uh, he just began to just, just show me the state of the body of Christ. And I am by no means the only person that is, uh, that is really trumpeting the call of there to be a significant and powerful change in the body of Christ. Let me tell you what our world needs today. Our world does not need uh, a, another preacher to come in and get a microphone. Our world doesn't need another whatever the church has produced. What the world needs are spiritual heroes. And you are intended to be spiritual heroes. You're intended to take Jesus to the varying places in where you live. Now, for some, you can use today's technology. You may not know this. We have one person in our church that has 42,000 followers on TikTok. 
Now, some of you go, I don't even know what that is. Okay, he's not an agent of the Chinese. Just opened up an opportunity where, where they're, uh, they're basically got an opportunity to begin to minister to people through TikTok. And so I think for us, as we kind of move this, we have to break some of our paradigms. It kind of, it echoes some of the things that I talked about in our uh, last sermon series, but certainly we got to start, stop thinking of, of, of the church as a place we go and start being the church that goes. Okay? That's a paradigm we have to break. Church isn't where you go. It's not a place. It's not here. People often think, well, ministry happens by someone called a minister. Well, that's a wrong paradigm. It's a wrong thing. Jesus Jesus entered in, and I recognize that he had to change that paradigm. But it's not a new paradigm. This this paradigm, people have been trying to break for years. You go back to post-World War I, pre-World War II, you had a guy by the name of Karl Barth, who was really a a profound theologian that really was able to understand the the times in which he lived. And he said these words. For him, it was a warning to the Swiss and German church following World War one. He said, the possibility always exists in that in that my life, my church, my tr- uh, tradition, my denomination, even my Bible will become relics of religious curiosity instead of living instruments of God. Men and women will be ordained, earn PhDs, and launch magazines, publishing houses, uh, colleges, uh, uh, seminars with a solid evangelical comments, and it will all be for nothing. Empty canals, he calls it. There are specialists who can cite scripture and verse, who can measure the orthodoxy with exacting precision, who can identify the religious speak in someone's eye, excuse me, who can identify the religious speck in someone's eye from a great distance, but in whom love for God does not exist. What you find with Jesus is that whenever he met people in the synagogue, where he met, that, would, that was the church of the day. When he met people there, he challenged the very thing that Karabath Barth is talking about, where church just becomes this rote repetition that we do week in and week out with actually not recognizing that the life of Christ is intended to not only move in us, but move through us. Because let me tell you something, Jesus wants to meet people at your workplace. Jesus wants to meet people that you casually interact with. Jesus wants to meet people that you are incredibly involved with in life. But when we step back and we look at the life of Jesus and we think, well, yeah, his life was so profoundly different than my life. His life, I could never imagine myself living his life. Well, he certainly didn't have all the technology that we have today. He certainly, he didn't have cars. He kind of walked everywhere he went mostly. There was one time he was on a, on a donkey. And so certainly the speed of his life was significantly slower than the speed of our life. How many of you, you don't have to answer this, how many of you had a conversation this morning where when someone asked you how you were doing, you used the word busy? Because we think that in our, in, our, in our speed of life, everything is going so incredibly fast. And in many cases, it is going fast. Jesus' day was significantly slower. David's life, 
I mean, you know, we can't do this in DFW, but David, he would just sit and look at the stars. They've started to do studies, and I, you know, listen, I, I enjoy my TikToks. I'm sorry. You may need to pray for me if that's not you. It doesn't fall into your theological view of the way things are supposed to work, but... Uh, but uh, but what the, one of the side effects is that they, they, only have, they don't have a lot of data historically, but the fact is, is that the attention span of humanity keeps getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter. Look at you. You guys are doing so good. You're going to listen to me speak for 55 minutes this morning, and you're patient, and you're going, I'm totally... Fu-. I'm kidding. Right. I was wondering if anybody would catch on that, because I want to see how many of you had already disconnected. I'm kidding. But David just would sit and look at the stars, and he would ponder and think about the things of the Almighty God. Now, we can't see the stars. It's probably a helicopter in the city. But, we, but there are parts of our life that are lost just because life can go very fast. But here's, here's the word of encouragement. Whether you go all the way back to Adam and Eve or today, the great thing of the God that we serve is God always is able to make himself known in every culture, in every ethnic group throughout history, regardless of how fast or how slow they go, because yet God is greater than all of that. And so a big part of what we're going to to find out, and I I pray that you'll go with me here, is that that ultimately we understand that, that the speed of life, we're going to meet some of the same people that Jesus met. It's as he was doing the rhythm of life that, that for him, in, in that day, the Sabbath set the Jewish calendar. Okay, that's just, that, was, that was part of what you got to understand about Jesus. Sabbath set the calendar. But beyond that, it was as he is going about life outside the synagogue that he calls the disciples. He, he, he actually meets a woman by a well. He meets Nicodemus who's been in a tree. He meets a woman who has an issue of blood. He meets a man full of demons. He meets the desperate, the disappointed. He meets the heartbroken. He meets the humbled. He meets the rich. He meets the trap. And I'm telling you something, the list goes on and on and on and on. And if we will open our eyes, we will begin to see that we are interacting with and meeting the very same people that Jesus met. Which takes us to John chapter 5. And here he meets the lame. Starting in verse 1, it says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there, was, there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blinds, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred or when the water is stirred up. And while I am going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and walked. So let me ask you a question. How many lame people do you know? 
Okay, I know some really lame people. And so do you. Now, in some respects, we're talking about lame people that cause you to roll your eyes at them. But I want you to get this. When it comes to the lame, there are people who are physically lame. Certainly, this man was physically lame. But whether they're physically lame or they're lame in here, okay, they're lame in their head. They believe that life is nothing more than their circumstances. And what Jesus is dealing with here is a man who believed his life was nothing more than his circumstances. Now, when you think about lame as people who think life is nothing more than the circumstances, it broadens it a little bit, doesn't it? Now, they may not, they may not say, I can't get into the water when it's stirred. But they are the people who say, I have no, and finish it any way you want. I have no money. I have no job. I don't have the right job. I don't have enough money. I, I don't have the right family heritage. If only I could. Or every time I, I try to go forward, someone gets it before me. Because ultimately, that person believes that their life is the sum total of their circumstances. How do we minister to that person? All right, I need a volunteer. Okay, come on down. You see, it's always a teenager. They're like, I'm all over this. I got this. All right, now, I, I want you to look again in that scripture, and I want you to see these words. Come on up here. Face the crowd. Okay. Elizabeth, you're going to be awesome here. Okay. And in the end, you're going to get some Starbucks. Okay. But the scripture says that when Jesus went there, notice the scripture, there lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. All right. So here's the deal. Out here, under one of these seats, okay, are two Starbucks cards, each worth $10. Okay. Have at it. Okay. We'll go get it. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying go get it. Now, wait a minute. Now, you guys can't, you can't, can't help here because you're, you're lame. Or blind. Maybe blind is better. All right, let's stop right here. This is the way many of you have done ministry for way too long. You have sat here and gone, what? There were a multitude of lame. And there is a multitude of lame people in your life. And if you attempt to do this on your own, you are going to miss every time. We were never intended to do ministry by ourselves. If the great God of heaven, Jesus Christ, did not do ministry on his own, how much more should we rely on what he relied on? Because you go to work with the lame and you look out and you go, yeah, they're just a bunch of lame people. Where do I even start? 
Okay, but here's the, here's the great connect that I want you to get this morning. It's simply this, is that in ministry, there's always a partner. You are never on your own. When you are at work, you're not on your own. When you are in the marketplace, you're at some grocery store, you are not on your own. What you find is that in, in a little bit further down in verse 19, Jesus begins to address this. He says, I, he says these words, I only do what I see my father doing. Okay, so I'm not God. My memory isn't as good. But I'm, let, me give, let me give you just exactly, this is exactly what happened with Jesus. We're going to talk, we'll flesh it out a little bit more, but you just wait right here. Okay. I want you to go find... Those cards. Did you get them under there? They're right under there. But here, that's what we do. That's that's how people approach ministry. Even when, even when. Perfect. Good job. See, the, the nice thing about that illustration, whether she asked me the first time or not at all, I was going to be able to kind of help you walk through it. Because when you go to work and you look out and you don't think God is in a particular place, you're never going to engage in a way that brings authentic and true transformation. That's why we get stuck on igniting change. There's a want to ignite change. But we don't, we, we think that, boy, and, and again, I think Bill, you know, he kind of hit the nail on the head. There was a presence of the Lord and all that stuff. But God's not bound to this building, people. And so when you understand that there is this, this partner that we have, well, now I got to step into it, which is why I love what Bill preached about last week. If, if you believe that it's your righteousness, that you got to get, get it right, you won't look for God because you're going to think God is absent. You're going to think that God is not in the midst. But if you understand that, that it's in Christ Jesus, that I'm righteous because of his righteousness. He came and lived a life that I could not live so that I could live a life that I could never live, and that's his life. And Jesus himself said, listen, if it was the chair, he didn't go anywhere until he knew where the father had positioned himself. And so the way you think about God's interaction will really determine whether Jesus is going to meet people through you. But when we understand that it's him, it's him, then that can begin to change things. It's kind of just pondering some, some really some in my, my own experience. There's one powerful experience that I have had where uh, where I just just saw God move in a powerful way was actually when our daughter was was young. I uh, I took a week off work. Uh, I was not full time vocation uh, vocational ministry. I uh, I worked for a company, but it was our daughter's first time going to kids camp, and so I went as a kids camp counselor. That's where I got my white spot on my head. And I'm kidding. I'm sure I aged, but. But I'm, I'm, I'm there in the service, and I just stood back, and I just said, all right, God, who do you want me to pray for? And there was this, this one little kid that had come with us. I don't remember his name. He's a scrawny little guy. And, um, and, I, and I, knew, I knew him because when I was a Royal Ranger commander, I picked him up with a van and brought him on Wednesday nights. And, and I went up, and I began to pray for him. 
And, um, and then I just kind of stepped back, and then, I, and then the, I said, okay, Lord, I don't know what that was about. And he goes, let me show you. And by that time, the young man had gone back into his seat. And as I watched, I saw a silhouette of an angelic being. It's the only way I know how to describe it. It was just a silhouette. There was nothing solid. I couldn't say they were smiling or not smiling, but they held a vase. And every time that being would take the vase and do this, the oil would land on this kid's head, and literally, I'm not even around him, he would start shaking from head down to his feet. Time and time again. Power. Never, I mean, it just so moving. I could, I could go through different miracles of the Lord, but, but God was doing something, and it was a time where I certainly had stepped back and said no. But that's really the rarity. What's more common is stuff for me like this week. I'm in a, just a conversation with somebody I met for the first time, and the Lord said, now's the moment. I want you to say this. And it had everything to do with, with, the, with God being glorified in their, in their vocation. I don't know if I'll ever talk to the guy again. But there was a moment that God was doing something. We tend to think that, that that's supposed to happen 24-7, 365. There are moments where we recognize that God is doing something and he'll prompt us in it. And so how, do we, how does that even work? Let's kind of walk through the process because there is a ministry process. Okay, first you got to partner. You got to say, God, I'm, I'm going to partner with you in this. But the process there really is in, in this, in how Jesus meets this person, there's probably three, probably more than three things, but three things in particular. One, the scripture bears out a concern. It says, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew, he knew, that he had already been there for a long time. Okay, now that, remember, it's going to be twofold. Some of you need to understand this about Jesus and you. Uh, Jesus knows the pain you have. Jesus knows the area of your life that you believe that circumstances are keeping you from what your heart's desire is. He, we don't know how many times he walked by this guy. The concern was always there. And you can have a concern... And yet the father's not ready to do something for whatever reason. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that knows how he's going to transition and bring you through different things. But the Jesus that you may feel is distant and that you have met at some time, he is amazingly aware of whatever problem that you are having. He is aware of it. This wasn't the only guy. Scripture tells us where to take care of the poor. Hospitals came into place because of, of Christians. Christians do amazing things. When we're talking about Jesus meeting, there's a miraculous thing that takes place. And, and it wasn't a matter of, of getting all these invalids into a home. Not that that's a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's things that we should strive for. In fact, even when Paul went before the Council of Jerusalem, they want to make sure, well, you're doing all this miraculous stuff and God's using you. You're identifying Jesus here and here, there and everywhere, but you still better take care of the poor. This is what we do. When Turkey has, a, Turkey has an earthquake, we, we give because God gives givers gifts to give. That's a great amen opportunity. But, but here's the thing. There, there's always going to be lame around us. But there, but there has to start with a concern in our heart. And Jesus, he was concerned. The, the challenge I have to the church today is we are more concerned the way people vote than where they're going to spend eternity. We're not, we're not looking for 
who God is actually doing things in. We're looking for what, 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 you know, what, what they're voting for, or what their issue of the day is. And we can see all of the things that the devil is doing. That's easy stuff to see. But I'm telling you that Jesus has a concern for people. And when we start there and we say, I desire to see people who are bound thinking that they have to have this political person in office or that political person in office or that boss or this boss or this car or that car in order to make life work, they need to meet Jesus. But it's got to start with a concern in our heart. And so I think it's always a fair question. Are you even thinking about the people who are around in your life? Or do you just go every day without a concern about whatever is vexing them? When you have the concern, you find that, that there'll be moments where the Lord will open up opportunity. Here, you find that he went from a concern to a question. Um, and the question was, do you want to be healed? This is an important question to a lame person. Now, before you go, well, duh, the guy couldn't walk. Why wouldn't he want to be healed? It's important to any lame person who believes that circumstances are, are the condition of their life. Because there are people who are perfectly happy right where they're at. There are people who, that the Lord would set free, but he knows that while they say yes with their mouth, they're never going to step, take a step to get out of their situation. They're too much entrenched into their own circumstances. Well, you know, it is what it is. And so what oftentimes happens, and get this, if you have someone who the Lord is saying, hey, this is, a, this is a person who is stuck. This is a person who is unable to move in life. You really got to ask the question, do you want to be well? Do you want to be well? Because Jesus is dealing with more than the physical part of this guy. He's dealing with the inner part of this guy. And so when he says, well, you know, I can't, da-da-da-da-da, then he gives a command. And I think that we're quick to do the command in our in our kind of our circle of influence. Do this, do this, do this, do this. As opposed to actually recognizing what it is that they're supposed to do. That's where the questions come in. But once you recognize, now you can give a command. Well, for some people, it's stop it. For some people, it's take a risk. For some people, it's take a step. Now, I'm not going to put into, you know, some bullet points, the things that we're supposed to do. Why? Because we have to recognize what God's activity is. And so we want to step into those moments. We don't know. Here's what we don't know. I know how it works for me. I don't know how it works in this case for Jesus. We don't know that, that Jesus didn't step into the scene of the, these five colonnades in this pool and look over, but there was one person. There's one person that his heart was drawn to. There's one person where there was this expression that said, why, why am I having this emotional connect? What you find, one of the reasons you find that there are so many, so many ministers that have wrong relationships with women is that ministers in their vocation learn to respond to that feeling of, oh, they need help. There's something, God, you're doing there. Which is why men and women need to have boundaries. Amen? 
But you recognize that, oh, there's this thing. And then you move. We don't know that Jesus, it, it, did he hear with absolute clarity his father say, that's the man? Don't know that. Maybe, maybe not. How would you know it? I think if you don't know how you would recognize that the Lord's taken, that, that maybe this is the place to start. And that's really kind of where I want to finish up is because there is a ministry practice that has to happen. If, 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 you, if you want to partner with God and you understand that, that okay, God, I'm going to go and I'm going to look for your activity. I'm not going to try to minister to every person and just, you know, the proverbial throwing the mud on the wall or whatever you want to call it. That's not, that's not what we're trying to do here. God, I want to begin to identify you. If, you, if, you're ever, if you're ever part of any prayer that I'm doing, Clarissa and I, when we're praying, we're praying more that we can see rather than other people can see. Because if they're going to meet Jesus through us, then i got to see what the activity of the Lord is. But here's the ministry practice that I think Jesus modeled a little bit beyond the John chapter 5 that I just want to just reinforce this morning. The first is, is if you want this, you got to be accountable to somebody with it. you got to be accountable. Jesus sent them out one by one. No, he didn't. Sent them out two by two. Because, because he understood that when he, if he sent them out one by one, when they got going, they'd end up at a Starbucks sipping a latte just watching people. So he sent them out two by two, which got him into this action, got him into this. But we would say it a little bit differently at Bethel. This is where our life groups become important. This is where having a life around, like I talked about, this, the campfire becomes critical, where someone is looking at you and saying, hey, how's it going with your circle of influence? Did God prompt you in any areas this week? No. All right, we got to keep praying there. Or, yeah, God did this, and I stepped in, and wow, what a miracle took place. Or, man, it was a complete miss. Who are you accountable to? If we're not accountable to anybody, then what happens is we just live the exact same way as before. And here's the thing. You become a religious, lame person. But I think the next piece is we've got to begin to ask. You've got to ask, Lord, I want to do this. I don't have to be good. I don't, you know, nobody gets it 100% of the time. But I, but I want to do it. I want to step into it. And so when, when you begin to pray this way, so I, I'm teaching Charles' class next week as they're on their 60-something anniversary. And you, you, Alice is going, don't you embarrass us. Like it's a wonderful thing. Uh, I'm teaching at Science School, so I'm watching the video. I like the whole analogy that the, of the prayer and, and understanding that, that God works like a mountain and the ice on the mountain flowing down. And I'm recognizing that God is flowing, that God is moving. That's really our place of prayer. And so when we begin to pray in a way saying, God, I want to be part of your activity. I want to partner with you. I want to do the things that you're calling me to do. You don't have to, you don't have to say I'm quitting everything and becoming a missionary or you're going to go to Bible school or any of that stuff. You just begin to recognize where God is working, where you're already at, because Jesus met and ministered at the speed of life, and so can you. And so then you begin to practice it. Give yourself room to be wrong. When I, a number of years ago, I just said, okay, Lord, I'm going to drive and you tell me where to turn. <laughs> you ready for this? Uh, God led me to an antique sewing machine. I still don't know why. I, I went and told Clarissa, and she's like, we got to grab that. We grabbed it and we sold it. But, but the heart said, I wanted to, God, I want to be directed by you. I want to be where your activity is at. Some of you are going, how are you going to make God in a sewing machine? I have no idea. 
But what you find is whether it's at a barber shop or it's your boss, God will say, now's the moment. And you got to practice. And, and it may go well, may not go well. But you choose to practice because you're not the senior partner. He's the senior partner. Hallelujah. And so we prompt and we move. So here's where we're going to close. Stand with me. And it's simply this. We're going to pray. We're going we're gonna to give just a couple minutes for this. If you are at a place where you say, I, I want to step into and partner with the Lord and recognize and learn and grow in his activity, here in a moment, I'm going to ask you to come. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to anoint your hands with oil. I'm not going to get long in prayer. I'm just going to anoint it. Uh, because John the Baptist said, the kingdom of God is at hand. And so I've always taken that as wherever these hands are at, the kingdom of God's there. So let's get them active. So let's anoint them and get them active. Or maybe as I was speaking and you were, you found yourself, the Holy Spirit was saying, you're lame in this area of your life. Jesus wants to meet you and he wants to release you to go beyond your circumstances. And so Lord, we say yes and amen to to your things. Would you just come and would you minister as only you can? Lord, for those that say yes and for those that you are saying you're going to, to, to help them move beyond their circumstances, Lord, we just desire to be different and believe the words that you said, Jesus. Now, if you want that in any of those areas, I'm going to actually start coming. And we're just going to, I'm just going to turn my mic off. I'm going to quickly pray. Dada's going to begin to play and lead in a song. And we're just going to believe that Jesus is going to do something supernaturally. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.